Uh, as we say, this is um, the last in this series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I meant to say before we started that um, it would be advantageous for you um, to be able to see clearly what's happening at the front in just a few moments. So um, if you can't do that, you might want to shift if you've got a pillar in the way. If you can't see the table that's currently on the platform, feel free to move around. Um, but um, you're free to sit wherever you like, of course. But that's okay. Um, but um, before we get to that, let's, um, let's pause for prayer. Lord Jesus, open our ears that we may hear. Open our eyes that we may see. Open our hearts that we may be wise as we set our wills to obey. We pray in your name. Amen. We love our theology here at St. John's, as you have doubtless discovered. And when it's deep and difficult, we struggle with it. But just every now and again, you get presented with a really nice story. So... Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. Who is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is talking about those who hear. I'm assuming that most, if not all of you, can hear me this evening. There may be some of us who have our hearing aids turned on, some of us who are tapped into the church loop system in order to hear more clearly, but we can hear. But if Jesus is talking about those who hear, everyone who hears, what is it that they hear? Jesus says, those who hear these words of mine. Jesus is not talking about those on the outside. There are those on the outside who don't know the words of Jesus. And what happens to people who never hear about Jesus is a very important question and perhaps one that we should address at some point. But it's not those that are being talked about here. What Jesus is talking about here is those who hear his words. Jesus is talking about his disciples, his followers. If we turn back in our Bibles, if you keep your Bibles open at where the reading was in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, you just turn back a couple of pages, you come to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, where we're told that Jesus goes up the hill, and when he sees the crowd coming, he sits down, and he gathers his disciples around him, and he begins to teach them. It's the disciples that are being taught. 
And as, I don't know you all, but as those who are in church this evening who have heard the words of Jesus read to us uh, from Victoria, as many of us, some faithful in church for 40 years, some for less, but nevertheless we are those who seek to follow Jesus, Jesus is talking to us. Are we those who are able to hear? Yes, we are. Are we those who have heard the words of Jesus read to us, read ourselves, perhaps heard them preached, maybe even had them visualized? We are those that Jesus is speaking to this evening. But you will have noticed in the passage that we read that there are two groups of people who are being talked about. And these two groups of people are not distinguished by the fact that some of them hear and some of them don't hear. No, these two groups of people have this in common, that they both hear. And they're not distinguished by the fact that some of them hear one thing and some of them hear something different. No, in each case, both groups of people hear these words of mine, as Jesus said it. But these two groups of people are distinguished from each other by their response to those words. They're not distinguished by liking them or not liking them. This is not a Facebook click. But they are distinguished by whether they put these words into practice or not. In other words, the two groups of people are distinguished by what we do. And it may be that that distinguishing feature runs through this congregation this evening as much as it ran through the congregation that sat around Jesus on the hillside. There are those of us who hear, that's probably all of us, those who hear the words of Jesus, that's probably all of us, but some of us are those who put them into practice and some of us who do not do so well. We're coming to the end of this series, as we've said, on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching. Uh, in my Bible, I've gone through my Bible with a, a red coloring pencil and attempted to highlight every word that Jesus says in the Bible. And you come to Matthews 5, 6, and 7, and practically the whole three chapters are colored in red. Every word is coming from the mouth of Jesus very nearly. But we've been listening to that over the last 10, 12 weeks, whatever it is, gradually going through the sermon. And perhaps this evening's had an unusual beginning. And I want to carry on slightly unusually, and as you've been warned, I'd like us to become a little bit interactive we won't have a microphone wandering around. I'm sure I'll be able to hear something of what you want to say. But the question arises, what is it that we have heard? As we've sat in our evening congregation for the last 10 or 12 weeks and we've gone through systematically through the Sermon on the Mount, 
what is it that we have heard? What is it that Jesus has said to us? What has caught our attention? It's not a test, don't worry. It's not a judgment as to, we're not going to ask whether, well, you've heard that, are you putting it into practice? You can answer that yourself before God. But simply, what is it that we remember? And perhaps having your Bible open and looking at some of the headings will help to remind you. Um, I've been through the three chapters and produced myself a little cribblist. So let's be interactive for a moment. Who's prepared to share with us something that you have learned? Wonderful. Holding on to the words of Jesus makes you stronger in difficult times. Good. Thank you. Someone else? Are there particular things within the Sermon on the Mount that have struck you? Being fit for purpose. Yes, being perfect is quite a challenge, isn't it? Um, We're probably needing to continue to strive towards that, but being fit for purpose, I like that. What do we use to to filter our choices and make the choices that we make. Sometimes it's easy to go with the crowd, isn't it, which is kind of the broad way, and sometimes we have to step out on our own, which is maybe the narrow way. And uh, what is it that that guides our choices there? There's blessing to be had. Yes, did you gather all that? The the blessed verses at the beginning, uh, whether it's persecution or mourning or other things, sometimes they seem so negative, and yet Jesus turns them around and says that there's blessing in it uh, when we follow him in those ways it's refreshing and it's hard but it's there are a lot of contemporary issues uh, prayer um, hunger and thirsting after righteousness um, all of those kinds of things um, enduring persecution as well yes very good your distinction should be that people see your good works and glorify your father in heaven because we we act as salt and light um, we often talk about uh, a little point of my own here. Little, I'll come to you in a minute. Uh, uh, a little point here. It's, um, people often talk about salt keeping society um, fresh and, and stopping the rottenness, which is true as that. I remember somebody saying, the other thing is that salt makes you thirsty. And uh, if we're salt in society, we make other people thirsty for God. So thank you for that. Yes, to trusting God. Trusting God, yes. Thinking that he's in control and uh, when things seem hard and things are not going, always going right. Um, one more maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it was, in my mind, it was linked very much to the, to the do not judge section uh, earlier. Um, and and uh, I felt challenged over uh, my judgment of whether somebody was a pig and therefore I wasn't going to give them something, or equally my judgment over whether something was a pearl when maybe it wasn't very much. Um, But yes. So all all sorts of things. Um, Thank you for your contributions. Um, I was also struck by the hungering and thirsting after righteousness um, that we long for being right with God and living in the right way. Um, That was one of mine. Um, so there's lots that we have heard. Um, Jesus said, I think seven times at least, um, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And the crowds came to hear Jesus. And we need to be those who hear. 
Um, I tried a phone call. Uh, I, m- I may slightly have this slightly wrong because my phone call failed, but I, fa- I phoned the Israeli embassy this last week um, because uh, I-, I wanted to check a fact, and, and as I say, they, uh, all I got was an answer phone, so I haven't been able to check my fact, but the, the fact I was trying to check, I think, is this, that within the Hebrew language, there, there was no... A specific word for obey and uh, because within the Hebrew language it was always if you have really heard then you will do it and Jesus was saying that when if you have ears to hear let him hear um, they introduced a word into the Hebrew language actually taking it out of the Arabic because when they created the uh, military forces and the police and things that had to be obeyed they needed a word for it but in essence if we really hear what Jesus says we will be those who do it we know for instance the story of the sower the four types of soil they all received the word but their responses were very different Uh, how will we respond to the word that we have received our reading this evening started at verse 21 not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven now of course it's not wrong to call Jesus Lord in fact we need to we need to recognize that he is Lord of our lives we need to recognize his authority Uh, but will we? do we mean it? is he the Lord who actually calls the shots? Chris was talking last week as Neil mentioned just now about thinking about our decisions the wide, easy, popular, comfortable way and the narrow, restricted, tough unpopular way that maybe Jesus calls us to walk we've already talked as well about common factors and differences between the groups that heard what Jesus said and common factors and differences that maybe apply to us notice One other common factor these two groups had, both the builders suffered from wind and rain and storms and floods. And following Jesus will not prevent us from being people who face life's problems, life's storms. Wendy mentioned about the blessed ones and you remember that it says, blessed are you when you are persecuted or people say all kinds of evil about you for my sake we will face those kinds of difficulties but there is a different result and that is that one stood firm and one collapsed one if you like taking the narrow way one if you like taking the wide way that leads to destruction but being a follower of Jesus gives us a firm foundation through life's problems. Jesus says that the difference between us is between rock and sand. It's the difference between life and destruction. It's the difference between standing strong and collapsing. It's the difference between just saying, Lord, Lord, and really meaning my Lord it is in fact in practicing what he says and doing his will the will of our Father in heaven preachers are 
always up for stealing other people's illustrations. Um, so let me confess that this next illustration is not mine. I give thanks to Tony Evans for it. But I wonder how many of you, probably all of you at one time or another, have been hungry and with friends you've gone to a restaurant. Anybody been to a restaurant? Anybody not been to a restaurant? You go to the restaurant, and when you get into the restaurant, the first thing they do is they give you something to read. And you sit down and you read it. It's the menu. And sometimes, particularly if it's a foreign language restaurant, you may not particularly understand exactly what it says on there. So you call the waiter over and you get some explanation. You ask him to explain, what does this mean, and what's that got in it, and has it got gluten, and all that sort of stuff. And if you still can't make up your mind because you're sitting there very hungry, you may ask him for a recommendation. Well, what would you choose? Oh, well, I think the chef's special is really good. And eventually you make a decision, and you're now even hungrier because you're expecting your food. And eventually the food arrives, but you're still hungry. And some of us are spiritually hungry. We don't come to a restaurant, we come to church. And when you come to church, they give you something to read, the Bible. Or we have it read for us. And the time comes when we choose somebody to stand at the front and explain it to us, tell us what it's all about. And it may be that we'll go to a friend and we'll say, well, what do you think? What's your experience? And perhaps at some point we make a decision that we're going to go this way, but we're still hungry. Why? Because like the food on the plate that arrives in the restaurant, you will stay hungry until you take it and put it in your mouth and swallow it and it becomes a part of you and a part of me. When it becomes a part of us, our hunger disappears. And the same is true with following Jesus and taking Jesus' words It's not until we take them and we make them part of ourselves that our spiritual hunger will be taken away. We have heard much. Are we those who take it in? Will we make what we have heard, Jesus' words, particularly a part of ourselves? Will we do the will of our Father in heaven? Will we put it into practice wisely or not foolishly let's pray Lord Jesus today we have heard your words to us again we pray that you will heal our deafness to what you say to us today we choose to be obedient Lord, help our disobedient choices. Today, we choose to walk your path. Lord, guide us back when we wander. Today, we choose your light. Lord, please lighten our darkness.
Today we put our faith in you. Lord, strengthen our faithlessness. Lord Jesus, today we choose to stand on your rock. Help us put concrete in our sand. We pray in your name. Amen.